Hey, welcome back to the Uncovered Dish Christian Leadership Podcast, the podcast where we love covered dish dinners and uncover different stories <laughs> and just talk about the church and life. Amen. We're your hosts, James Lee. And Gabby Corbett. And as you can see, we don't have a special guest per se, but actually we do. She happened to be just one of the co-hosts as well. Our special <laughs> guest today is Gabby Corbett. Uh, for those of you who don't know, she uh, is pastoring a local church as a lead pastor, but also uh, serving in at the conference level as the Safe Sanctuaries Coordinator. So that yep. might be a surprise to some folks, but that's a, that, apparently that's something that you really, really care about, right, Gabby? It is. It is. It's a it's a side passion of mine, and I'm grateful to be able to get to do it for so many folks. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, for those folks who don't know, uh, well, first off, let's just talk about what Safe Sanctuaries is. I think it is a something that I care about. A lot of churches care about, but for those who may not know exactly what it is, or maybe they just have a vague idea of what it is. Could you explain what Safe Sanctuaries is and why it is important in the United Methodist Church? Absolutely. So Safe Sanctuaries is uh, our sets of policies and procedures that we use both at the conference level and in local churches um, to be able to reduce harm and to be able to help set up for protection for children, youth, and vulnerable adults. So it's basically in normal people speak, how we set ourselves up to be able to do good for the folks that God has entrusted to us um, and how we protect people uh, in the world that we live in today, where we know that as much as we all want to live into the beauty of the kingdom of God, um, it doesn't happen uh, all the time and we need to be able to take care of folks. And so this is how we um, organize ourselves and administrate ourselves into taking care of people. Yeah. Yeah, and Gabby, this is a really important work. Yeah. Uh, just for some background, I think safe sanctuaries is something I've come to learn and really appreciate as a pastor. But when I first started out, I was in a context uh, where I was the youth pastor. I was in my 20s, mm -hmm. and safe sanctuaries was not practiced. And thinking about it now, it kind of gives me a heart attack at how little protection there was for children and how this idea that, Hey, you're in the house of God. So you're protected and completely safe. Um, was just the norm. Right. Yeah. And you're not the only one who experienced that. Um, and it still goes on today, right. That there's this belief that because we're doing the Jesus things that nothing bad could ever happen. Um, and time and time again, we're proven wrong. Um, yeah. and that's, it, it's the reality of the, the kind of world that we live in. And I will give content warning. We are talking about safe sanctuaries, which means that we're going to be talking about sexual abuse. Um, and we are going to be talking about various other kinds of abuse that happen. So if for that's going to make anybody feel uncomfortable in any way, go ahead and skip this episode. Uh, but it is really important work that we're going to talk about. So, uh, I, for, most of my life, uh, studied martial arts. Um, and I taught martial arts. I know <laughs> that's my, sometimes my fun fact in spaces, <laughs> you know, what's one fact people may not know about you. <laughs> and you, and you taught it too. I did. I taught what, from what the martial arts was, is this? This is Gojo Ru. It's an Okinawan style karate. And I taught from the time that I was 12. Uh, I have my second degree black belt. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, wait. When you were 12? <laughs> yeah, so they, we started these uh, okay. w- similar to what we sometimes do in the church where we ask our older youth to help teach Sunday school. Yeah. Right. Sure. The same sort of thing was that this was like a training program to, for you to be able to. So I started with the younger kids and then I eventually worked my way up and I taught adults for years. Um, I was the highest ranking female black belt for a while. Um, it was like, I was one of those nerdy karate people who went away to college and still came back and trained, (laughs) uh, my, when I graduated from college and started serving my first church and was going to seminary, it still stopped by on my way home um, and train and teach. And it was really, really important to me. And inevitably, we had absolutely no training on how to be teachers, right? So we didn't, we never talked about actual discipline, right? It's karate. So you like assume that we have this embedded sense of what discipline means, but nobody really ever sat down with us and said, this is how you're going to discipline your students. And this is how we instill these beliefs into our students. And Mm. we never talked about not being alone with students, um, or how to even identify that there might be a problem going on. We did no background checks. We did nothing. Mm. Um, and we had a person who was sexually abusing, uh, one of our students for six years. Um, and it happened under all of, I was 12 when the abuse was going on, but it happened in our sacred dojo. Um, it was horrible for everybody involved. Um, the survivor, you know, her life is forever altered by the experiences. And there's a lot of messiness that gets involved with all of that too. Um, and he did wind up being convicted a couple of years ago. Um, but that never should have happened. Right. Right. There was no reason that we didn't have policies and procedures in place to be able to keep kids safe. There were too many opportunities for folks to be alone. There was no real oversight. Uh, And when I first started serving the local church and was navigating through the trial um, and sort of the aftermath of a lot of this stuff, um, it was the first time that I really started to look at safe sanctuaries policies. And I heard from congregants we're such a small church yeah nobody right one we don't have enough people to do the safe sanctuaries thing Mm -hmm. and two we're all family here no one's ever gonna do anything wow yeah yeah because part of the safe sanctuary policies is that let's say two adults have to be in a space you know there are things that require actual people Right. right, right. And so that, sure. and I think that that's where churches often get hung up on implementing or thinking through these policies is that, well, we don't have enough people to do that. Mm. We can't ask more of our volunteers to do these things. You can, <laughs> right? That's part of my job now is to say you absolutely can. And there are ways to think through it. You know, my first appointment, um, we had three separate buildings. Mm-hmm. The sanctuary was its own building. It had no bathrooms. It was literally just the sanctuary. Yeah. 
And then we had a whole separate fellowship hall that was beautiful. And that's where Sunday school happened while we were in church, but it was in a totally separate building than where church was happening. Like it was separated from with a parking lot or is it like, so there was a, a parking lot and a sidewalk. Like you had to leave, you had to go outside. Out the sanctuary to another building. Right. Walk outside for a couple minutes and then you'd get to this beautiful fellowship hall that we were just sending our kids to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there would be days in which we just would, you know, dismiss from the children's message and the kids would walk to fellowship hall by themselves. There were no adults. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but you get into this belief set that like well we know all of these kids and these kids have been here forever and we know all of the people who are volunteering and so nothing could ever happen mm. so i he- right, i hear that and i understand mm. that and having loved and worked with, you know, I'm on my fourth appointment, lots of churches in various different sizes. I understand that, but we still absolutely have to have policies and procedures that make sense for our contexts. Um, Yeah. That's so good. What are some other misconceptions people have about safe sanctuary policies that you are coming across and, Uh, How do you work to address those misconceptions? Yeah. So one of them is that it's only for kids, Mm. right? So we have this belief that safe sanctuaries is primarily for children. Keep the kids safe. Right. Right. That this is all about, and if you don't have kids, then you don't have to have a safe sanctuaries policy. Wow. Right. No. (laughs) Even if you don't, (laughs) just, just no. (laughs) Even if you don't have kids you are still probably working with a population that needs some sort of thought process in what that's going to look like. I'm actually working with a church right now on writing a safe sanctuaries policy for a church that primarily meets with older adults and only has kids. If by some blessed miracle, grandchildren come with them, but that they Mm -hmm. don't have a Sunday school program or a youth program. Um, mm-hmm. but, and so that looks different than our traditional understanding of what safe sanctuaries policies look like, but okay. we, that's the beauty of a safe sanctuaries policy Right, is it's supposed to be contextual and you're supposed to think through these things. Um, and what does your congregation need? Um, you still have to have people who are background checked and you still have right. to have people who are trained in prevention, but you also have to think about vulnerable adults. And Mm -hmm. people often think that vulnerable adults are just people who have mental deficiencies or have a walker, right? When I talk to people, that's their like belief set on on what a vulnerable adult is, is either, you know, grandma who lives alone and probably shouldn't really be driving, but is driving anyway and has a walker and is vulnerable to fall Um, or somebody who comes to your congregation who's on the spectrum has mental illness who, you know, is experiencing the world differently. So we believe that that's how we define vulnerable adults, but really vulnerable adults, most of us in some way or another are going to fit under a vulnerable adult category. Um, but particularly if you're doing work with, um, 
a, home, a homelessness population, people who are experiencing homelessness, um, those are vulnerable adults. Children, youth, uh, older adult, older young adults who are in the foster care system, um, anybody who has any form of mental illness or, you know, experiences the world and has different needs, those are all also vulnerable adults. Um, and we need to be cautious about how we think through safety procedures and, and not to other people, right? Because that's the other thing that feels sometimes icky about writing, particularly the adult side of safe sanctuaries is, okay, how do we identify this particular population and write mm. all of these policies and procedures about how we're going to deal with them? Yeah. Right? Those wow. people. <laughs> and that's not the point. The point is to really think through what do people need? If we're really going to be, we talk a lot in the church about being good stewards and we tend to talk about it with Manny <laughs> and right. We're embracing mm. this new way of thinking about stewardship. Uh, the people that God sends to us are all, we also need to be good stewards of those people. Yeah. Uh, and wow. they come in all different experiences, lifestyles. Um, you know, if you're doing addiction ministry, you need to think through how you deal with vulnerable adults in that situation or recovery ministry. These are all parts of what it means to really think through how do we, how do we safely interact with everybody in God's kingdom? Um, yeah. I've also heard it said that, you know, the safe sanctuaries, yes, it's to protect and keep safe children and vulnerable adults and so on and so forth. But it's also to protect us is one, one way that I've heard it that um, I think the story that I heard taught when I was first received the safe sanctuary training was there was a male adult volunteer who was helping out with children who went through all the training, had um, got the background checks and everything. Their parent saw their child sitting on his lap while they were playing in the kids area waiting for the parents to come pick up the children and the parent had a negative response to that um well it just so happened there were other adults in the in the space right and that there was there was healthy conversations around it such that uh, that uh, i guess the 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 way it was explained was if this adult male happened to be alone with this child yeah and the parent saw this it might have gone a very different direction, right? Yes. And so this is, I mean, I also think about pastors who say have one-on-one -on -one with folks yeah. and how that's, that's right. That's a difficult conversation to have. It is. Uh, but I also see pastors who think safe sanctuaries is for the kids ministry, mm -hmm. but I'm exempt from it. I think that's also another misconception, right? It is. It is. And, and that, yes, the, the other side of it is also how do we protect ourselves um, and how do we protect the ministries that we're part of? Because the, the story I always heard going through safe sanctuary training was of an adult male pastor who um, went, went through all the safe, did all the things, right? Checked all the boxes. And one day after service, a little girl went running up to him to give him a hug and, you know, little kids are short and older adult males are taller and things collided. Um, and it, because he had been through safe sanctuary training, like he knew to like, she got like a side hug 
right? He wasn't mm. like, oh, hey. Um, and the parents tried to sue the church. Mm. Now, because they were not alone, there were other people around, because they had these protections in place, it didn't go anywhere. And eventually what came out was that the family was really struggling financially, and they thought that by suing the church that they might be able to get help with that. Mm. Um, So there is that side of it too, right? Is that another facet of this is we have to be able to protect our adult volunteers um, and keep everybody safe uh, from how we do ministry together and do life together. Every single church is required to have a safe sanctuaries policy on file uh, at their local church. Um, That's part of who we can, who we commit to be as GNJ. It's also part of our insurance requirements. Um, so our insurance company actually tells us we have to have these policies in place. Um, I have worked with 50 to 75 churches in the last year or so trying to get all of their safe sanctuary policies up to date. Um, a lot of churches have them. They just haven't looked at them in since the, you know, last kind of go around of safe sanctuaries Mm. being an important part of what we do. Um, and that you are supposed to be reviewing them every year, but it doesn't always happen. Um, so one of the things that we're doing this year is launching new legislation, um, a new sample policy, new procedures. Um, and one of the things that we're doing is requiring that churches submit their policy every two years to whoever the safe sanctuaries coordinator is whether it's going to be me moving forward or, you know, somebody else might take my job at some point, but that every two years it's being looked at by the conference office just to, you know, make sure that we're still thinking through these things. Um, and especially paying attention to how times change and new information that we're learning, um, and embracing as we move forward as, uh, people who are seeking to do no harm. Yeah, no, that's so important. And how has like the COVID-19 pandemic affected safe sanctuary practices in the church? And then how has new technologies like social media or even AI, like how is that affecting safe sanctuaries, if at all? So COVID um, made us get really creative about a lot of things. And Mm. the thing about COVID is that, right, as we all know, anybody who lived through it, even if you were already doing some of the stuff, like our church always has live streamed. um, Sure. But the pivoting that we had to do, like immediately, was overwhelming uh, and didn't leave a whole lot of room for us to think through things in the beginning. Um, But as we got further into the pandemic, the more we could really begin to think about okay, if we're going to do youth ministry, how do we do youth ministry well online? Mm. How, you know, in an age and an era in which most people are texters, how do you text with youth and children and families well and appropriately? Uh, And so it, it began to ask a lot of questions about how do we use social media differently? um, And how do we embrace the new technology that's available to us while also keeping in mind what's safe um, Mm -hmm. and how to sort of mitigate, right? 
potentials for harm because we all know right? Yeah. everybody knows the age old social media is rotting the brains of our youth and children and it's unsafe and all of those mm. things mm. um so covid right has really made us think through what we add to our safe sanctuary policies to make sure that there's something there to talk about social media um and how you use, right. One of the things that's always been part of safe sanctuaries, at least since 2008 is uh lockdown on church computers. Right. And so we've had uh, policies on how you use a computer that's at your church, but we didn't really think about, you know, how do you use Facebook? Well, or if all of your kids are on Snapchat, can you use Snapchat effectively in youth ministry while also keeping people safe um, or discord or, you know, all of these things that are starting to come up as new ways for people to meet online. Um, and so we've really had to think about how to do that well. Yeah. And uh, I don't think the answer is just don't do it, which feels like the right, which feels the safest way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you're right. It's really hard to navigate those que questions about safety, right? Yeah. It is very like texting it's one-on-one -on -one, right um and a lot of harm can be done in those conversations that you cannot um you cannot have healthy oversight and accountability right it's hard we could just ban tic tac tick tock <laughs> just a little slip that in there ban all the social media right. you could right? you could just ban social media yeah we could just say archers does it connect to the wi-fi <laughs> then <laughs> if it connects to the wi-fi we don't do it <laughs> right right well uh, i will say during the pandemic like the church that i was serving at at the time uh you know when we had, when we moved over to live stream there was a long conversation we had at the safe sanctuaries level about showing children in our live stream. Yeah. And basically what we ended up agreeing to is we would live stream it on Sunday, but then before it publishes online that we would actually edit out all the prayer requests that are shared during service. Mm -hmm. Cause we kind of have an open prayer request uh, moment during the service and cut out the children's moment. Yeah. So that meant that you you couldn't watch it until maybe Monday evening or Tuesday morning. Yeah. And it was an extra step for our team to edit that out. But I appreciated those conversations because those are conversations that most churches were not having. And looking yeah. back, I appreciated our, having a good team, um, our worship committee and our you know kids ministry, all asking that question and wrestling with it and coming to that conclusion. I'm not sure if that's right for every church, but that was safe sanctuaries working with the changing times. Well, and I think that the, that conversation is exactly what should be happening, right? Yeah. It, a lot of people think that safe sanctuaries is, it's easy because you just copy and paste the policy. Mm -hmm. The policy doesn't cover everything. And that's not the intent behind safe sanctuaries, right? This really needs to become part of the DNA of our culture and the conversations that we're having about everything in yeah. ministry. You know, how right. do we think through this? And does it sometimes require extra work? Absolutely. 
And that can be really hard for, for folks to kind of wrap their brains around. But when it becomes part of what we do, you know, how do we do this? We talk about sometimes um, if you use church management software for your local church, oftentimes you Mm -hmm. get tags printed with people's names on them. Um, And like we, we don't do the tags, uh, but at my last appointment, when we did vacation Bible school, all of our kids had tags and their parents had tags because we had like 200 kids that came to Sunday or to vacation Bible school. And it was really hard to always keep track of like what parent belongs to which child. And, you know, families look very different these days and there's other things to navigate there too. So you have to make sure that things lined up. So you would get, the kids would get their tag and then the parents would also get a tag and you had to show that your tags matched in order to be able right. to in a large church. Up. That's very yeah common right, practice. Right. Yeah. This is, this is normal, but not something I had experienced prior to being in a larger church. Um, mm-hmm. But we also took pictures. And so we had kids, everyone signs a photo release before they, right. when they sign up. And so there were some kids who weren't allowed to have their photos taken and we needed to figure out a way to be able to identify those kids without alienating them from you know, the pictures that we were taking and whatnot. And when the tags printed out, it had first and last name on it. Mm, so, oof. right. So how do you hold all of those things together? Right. We yeah. want to be able to take pictures. We want to be able to write part of what we do as churches is advertise things. We want to be able to show folks, look, we have fun kids programs and we want you to come join them. But also we're right. not giving away tons of information um, to the freely to the internet. And so we wound up having right. them put them in the middle of their back. Yeah. So that, that way it's not in them. the pictures when you see their face. Yeah. Right. right. And then we would just go through every day and edit out whatever pictures showed too much information. Um, mm. But like those are, those are conversations you have to start having when you were really ser- taking seriously safe sanctuaries. And it's yeah. hard to do when you don't have volunteers or staff, right? And that can also feel really overwhelming to people. And as a person right, who right. primarily served small churches who, you know, if we had a Sunday school superintendent, that was incredible and amazing. <laughs> and we like gave thanks for it. Uh, but yeah. this, the expectation was still, you know, that this was going to be on only a couple of people. It can mm. feel harder to have those conversations but when you have a larger team and you have somebody who's on Kidsman and you have somebody who's running your youth group and you can have those conversations, it feels a little easier, mm. but you have to talk about right? You have to be willing to talk about it even in smaller churches. Uh, yeah. And you come up with creative solutions. Yeah, It's all connected to the, the need that we all feel to have more volunteers. Like we, I don't, even large churches I feel are feeling that, Oh, if we just had X amount of more volunteers, there's always a shortage of volunteers that um, churches feel. And kind of going off of that, I could already sense some church leaders sensing, Oh, we need to actually update our safe sanctuary policy. It's been a while. I don't have the energy, the time, the bandwidth to Mm -hmm. do this. Um, what would you say to folks that are realizing that they need to update this? There's uh, after hearing this podcast, they're like, Holy cow, I need to reach out to Gabby Corbett and figure out how to update this thing. 
but what would you say to folks who are struggling with how much time or energy they could really pour into their updating their safe sanctuary policies and implementing it uh, and enforcing it in a, in a healthy way? So as we've talked about before on this podcast, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. So my yeah. initial gut reaction is you don't have the time to not do this. Mm. Right. <laughs> say more, say more, keep going. It, yes. This, this is so crucial and important to how we do ministry. Well, that this needs to be a priority for all of our local churches. Saying that I also understand because there's a million things that pull at our attention as pastors. Um, there are a hundred other things that feel more important than updating this policy because I think some of us, and I will confess that I have been in this spot too, where we say, well, it's good enough for what we're doing right now. Wow. Right. And do I, I have six sermons to write for the next six weeks and Holy week is coming up and Easter is here and I'm supposed to take vacation and all of these other things that just, pile up in our brains. The reality is though, is that until we see a cultural shift around taking safe sanctuary seriously, harm is going to continue to be done in our churches. Um, and it doesn't mean that you have to have a perfect safe sanctuary policy right now. Sometimes the next best thing is to say, okay, here's what the new sample policy says, right? One of the, one of the big changes that we've shifted this year is we are no longer supporting track one ministries for oh, laity's yeah background check. So it used to be that you like, no offense to anybody who picked track one, but it was not <laughs> easy at all. Right. And you would go on and you'd have to fill out your request form. And then it was really hard to find your background check. And it just was a hot mess. Um, and we have JJ switched two years ago to, utilizing ministry safe. And now we're requiring it for all of our local churches and we pay your yearly fee for you. So that's good. All you're responsible for is your background checks. Um, but the system is super user-friendly once you get into it and it allows you to be able to send background checks and trainings to all of the people who are going to be working with children, youth, and vulnerable adults. Um, and then you get to track it. And so it's beautiful. You put it in there. You go, okay, James Lee, here's his email address. We're going to order a background check and we're going to send training. And then you create a user account. And then it says, okay, James completed his training. He got a 67 on his training, which means he'll have to take it again because uh, you have to have an 80 to pass. Oh, man. Or whatever. Uh, <laughs> And James Lee, he's James always failing just, things all the time. Come on, get it together. <laughs> it will tell you <laughs> that they've completed their training, that they've passed. It'll give you a certificate of their training completion and when they're up for renewal. Mm -hmm. And it'll also store a copy of their background check that you have to look at in order to approve it. And then everything's on your, basically your portal. Uh, and the dashboard will help you resend things if that needs to happen. Make sure that everyone's up to date on their training. The other great thing about it is that we used to have local church safe sanctuary trainers. And so when the previous iteration of a safe sanctuary coordinator existed at the conference level, she was responsible for training people in different districts to be the super trainers 
And then they would come to local churches and train people. Yeah. There's a lot of things that don't work about that anymore. (laughs) Right. And the gift of ministry is that everybody gets the exact same training and it can be done in your own time. So you no longer have to worry about scheduling a meeting for all of your vacation Bible school volunteers, right? If you're anything like my current church, we get a lot of high school volunteers and a lot of parental volunteers. So when we used to have to do safe sanctuary training, I'd have to find a time when all of those people could come to church and who could like listen to my presentation about safe sanctuaries. And you never really know if people are paying attention and you no longer have (laughs) to do that right now. You just send them the training and you say, you have to take this. And yeah, the good thing about this training too, is that they, you have to take a quiz after every section. Oh, so that's they, good. Yeah. It, it takes about an hour. I mean, it's so annoying, but it's so good to have that it's, like self-paced yeah. asynchronous yeah. class. Yeah. I totally agree. And you yeah. could do it on your own time. It takes about an hour, right? It's relatively easy and you can do it when works for you. Um, and, and that just, and the content it, and the content is solid, right? right. The content is yes. so solid. Ministry safe really has done an incredible job of making sure that their stuff is worth your time. Um, so mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like another thing you have to go to. Um, sure. Sure. So the, the first thing that I would say to churches who are like, well, we know we need to update it, but we don't really feel like we have the bandwidth is start by updating your policy to the newest version Um, Mm. which we have available, which is, you know, we're doing a big rollout really soon about, uh, all of this joyful stuff. You can email me and I'll get it to you. Um, and, and just get the policy updated so that you're reflecting what the most recent changes are and then begin to instill in your leadership conversations about this, um, Mm. conversations about why it's important, conversations about, you know, okay, so we're having an Easter egg hunt next year. And what are ways that we can keep safe sanctuaries in mind while we're doing an Easter egg hunt? Um, You know, you have a a group of people who want to go to ignite, right? One of the, one of the most overlooked things is sleeping arrangements when you go away on overnight retreats, Um, Mm -hmm. especially when you're doing things like ignite, which don't you know, you're not going to a camp that has policies about how we're doing things. Most folks with Ignite are getting hotel rooms or Airbnbs. Um, mm-hmm, and mm. you really need to think through, is this safe? And are yeah. we safeguarding um, folks? And then be find conversation partners. Yeah, You know, I'm always willing to be conversation partners with local churches about, you know, how do we think through these things? What are some questions that I can ask? Um, get together with your local clergy and ask them questions too about, you know, how do you do this well? Um, and really just be willing to start to have the conversation, right? You're not going to be the most mm. perfect safe sanctuaries person tomorrow. <laughs> sure, <laughs> right? sure, It's sure. an ongoing process that requires us to constantly reevaluate what we're doing and ask different questions. Um, so don't let, you know, wanting to have the perfect thing figured out, stop you from doing the work that needs to be done now so that you can mm. begin to, to protect each other. Well, awesome. So where can uh, church leaders go if they want to contact you or find out more about safe sanctuaries to the website, <laughs> 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 
right now, if you go to a little um, search bar, just type in safe sanctuaries and it pops up. Yeah, up. that's the way to do it. Right. Or gnjumc.org slash safe sanctuaries. Yes, also that. Too. That would work too. Thank you, Director. Of and, and is your email safe sanctuaries at gnjumc.org? It is. Wow. It's so easy, right? So the, if you've got safe sanctuaries on the brain. It's almost as if the communications director was trying to make this easy for everyone. Almost. Almost as if we almost. thought through. Hmm. <laughs> How do I make this use the few, people? <laughs> use the few brain cells. Right. Because so this matters. This is so, right. important. so important. We You have to do this right. Yeah. So uh, safe sanctuaries at gnjumc.org. That goes straight to Gabby's inbox. Mm-hmm gnjumc.org slash safe sanctuaries. If you can forget the order, you'll either be emailing Gabby or going on the website. So it's perfect. It's your choice, <laughs> your choice. <laughs> uh, but Gabby, thank you for the work that you do in this. I know a lot of the conference staff, especially those in next gen are really appreciative of the work that you do. Holy cow. You're a hero <laughs> to many folks. And, um, but uh, I appreciate you. Thank you. So let me ask you that last question, that last coveted question, because uh, I actually don't know the answer for you. Um, you don't. If you, I answered yeah. the question in 2018. Go on. I'm sure I'll dig into the archives five yeah, years ago and know. find out. I'm sure when you say it, I'll be like, oh yeah, no, that's I right. It, right. That's right. Oh yeah. Uh, let's hear it though, Gabby Corbett. What if you could only eat one dish? For the rest of your life, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, no variations. What would that one dish be? Mashed potatoes. That's what, that's right. Potatoes now I remember. Mashed, it clicked. You make your own it's mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes. I remember. I, I do mashed remember. Potatoes. <laughs> you talked about your secret mashed potato, potato uh, recipe. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What? I thought you promised to make us mashed potatoes. What happened to that? Well, COVID hit. First of all, the podcast shut down <laughs> and then COVID hit. But <laughs> next time we're together, James, I will make you mashed potatoes. <laughs> I would love to try your mashed potatoes. Perfect. And you said it was just, you said it was, um, what was the recipe, the secret recipe to that? It's heavy cream and butter, like a lot of heavy cream and a lot of butter. It's not a healthy dish, oh. but. It's okay. delicious, and that's what matters. So we'll, we'll have some with my salad. Right, yes. Yeah. Right. Perfect. <laughs> All, right. All right. Hey, Gabs, thank you for uh, having this conversation, and my prayers that more churches would not only update and implement their safe sanctuary policies, but that would be a vital and active part of each local church's ministry. Amen. I join you in that prayer. Thank you. Amen. All right. I'll see you next time you next when time. we have a... Another special guest, because you are a special guest. (laughs) All right. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye.